Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. California continues to break new ground in consumer protection regulation, having just established the new Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, or mini-CFPB, as well as being poised to pass yet another sweeping data privacy law on November 3rd. Shareholders Jonathan Sandler, Alyssa Gardenschwartz, and Sarah Octorloni break down these developments and discuss what they mean for businesses and how California is shaping future regulation in these areas for the entire country. Hi, this is Jonathan Sandler. I am the managing partner of the Los Angeles office of Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek. I am a commercial litigation partner and with a specialty in consumer protection. I am joined today by my partners, Sarah Octorloni and Alyssa Gardner-Schwartz. I'll let them introduce themselves. Sarah? Thanks, Jonathan. Hi, this is Sarah Octorloni. I practice in consumer finance and banking. I represent consumer finance firms in investigations by the Bureau of Consumer Financial Protection, as well as state financial services regulators. In addition, I also work on a number of transactions, contract negotiations, and other reviews for companies in the financial services space. Alyssa? Hi, uh, this is Alyssa Garden-Schwartz. I'm a shareholder in the firm's litigation department. I also have a specialty in consumer protection. Uh, I advise companies on their consumer protection law compliance, including um, compliance with consumer finance laws, as well as those related to unfair and deceptive acts and practices, both at the state and federal level. Prior to joining Brownstein, I was the Deputy Attorney General for Consumer Protection in the Colorado Attorney General's office, and consequently, I also help companies navigate investigations from state attorneys general as well as federal consumer protection authorities. Well, thanks to both of you for joining me on this podcast. We're here to discuss some of the recent consumer protection developments in California and the implications they may have elsewhere. Being from California, I know that we are a state that tries to to lead the country. Um, And we've taken some recent steps to increase consumer protection in the state. So, Sarah, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about the new Department of Financial Protection and Innovation that California has just recently created. It's being referred to as the mini CFPB, uh, Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. And you were one of the uh, earliest members of the CFPB. Can you tell us more about California's new act and how it will be different from the uh, DBO, uh, as well as any new jurisdictional areas? Sure. So... The Department of Financial Protection and Innovation really is a new uh, reconstruction and iteration of the Department of Business Oversight. The enabling legislation literally crossed out the terms business oversight to rename the agency the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. So from a lot of perspectives, it's going to maintain the same structure, same staff, same leadership, and be pretty consistent with what we've seen from the DBO. However, we should definitely expect it to increase its scope for a couple reasons. Um, One, the new act added additional industries to the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. 
So it added on um, an entirely new area of jurisdiction, which is all persons offering or providing consumer financial products and services in California. However, like the prior act, the DFPI will still not have authority over federal banks, federal thrifts, trusts, or credit unions. So what we expect from this new DFPI is that the variety and scope of financial services companies that become under its regulation, either licensing, enforcement, um, being subject to further rules and regulations, that this is going to expand dramatically. Um, And indeed, they expected to spend an additional $44.3 million in the first three years in order to um, have the resources to employ its new authority. Sarah, I'm going to stick with you for a second. How do you see this mini CFPB influencing the regulation oversight of fintech? I know that's one of your specialties. And I'm curious about it influencing the regulation and oversight, not just in California, but all over the country. Do we expect to see other states follow suit? What do you see coming down the pipe? So I think what is different about this particular regulation is that it takes a fairly new legal concept that was developed in 2010 during the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Financial Reform Act and that was enacted in the Federal Consumer Financial Protection Act, so the act that created the CFPB. Um, it, It codified this concept of abusive acts and practices. So um, it's not just unfair and deceptive acts and practices. Now it's unfair, deceptive, and abusive acts and practices. So this is a pretty new legal term that the CFPB has brought a couple of cases trying to solidify what it means under the law. And now California has the same term. Uh, So I think one of the things that we could see happening is that uh, California uses its powers, it creates new law, it provides more definition under the law of what abusive actually means. Um, I also think that um, we're going to see a lot more use of the substantially assisting claims. That's, That's a legal theory where it's a lot like aiding and abetting where if you are um, in the business um, and maybe you're a software provider or a payment processor or doing some pure business-to-business service, but for some reason you know that you are helping a person who's covered by these financial service provider regulations to break one of the financial services laws, you would then be substantially assisting someone, which is, again, its own um, violation under the law. So I think that the DFPI now has a number of of new tools that they didn't have before. And to the extent that there are other states that see how well California deploys them, we may see additional states wanting to add these new regulatory tools to their toolbook. Alyssa, do you see how some of this is going to interact with some of the other states? I mean, being a former member of the the AG's office, what do you see happening? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Sarah, right? That I think there definitely could be states looking to California using these new tools, the substantially assist and the abusive practices. And they may seek to try and 
either legislatively or through regulation, um, try to acquire those same tools within their own jurisdiction. So in states, there are a number of states that have financial regulatory authorities, right? So Colorado, for example, has a uniform consumer credit code administrator. There are about, uh, I think, 15 other states that have a UCCC administrator. A number of states have a Department of Financial Institutions. And those entities have been using sort of traditional tools used to regulate uh, consumer credit fairly effectively. And you see in recent years with um, the, the evolution of fintech and different financial products that don't come within this sort of um, traditional definition of consumer credit, like, for example, um, pay advance applications, which allow consumers to either through their employer or through an independent pay advance provider, um, these apps allow consumers to get an advance on their paycheck and in exchange may pay a nominal fee or actually no fee at all. And um, you see state financial regulatory authorities trying to, again, sort of use what they have um, to address these new tools. For example, there's a group of about 10 states that are investigating these pay advance apps. And so I think to the extent that the future of consumer credit is going toward um, fintech and these sort of new innovative consumer credit models, you're going to see states wanting additional tools and even, you know, the more sort of broad um, jurisdiction that allows specifically for regulation of fintech to better enable states to address these, you know, new forms of, of consumer credit that are coming onto the market. We've talked about states, but I think it's important that we don't lose sight of the CFPB. How do you see this new agency interacting with the CFPB? Sarah, let me start with with you and ask you to look for uh, maybe identifying some avenues of cooperation and, and some avenues of conflict. Well, I think if the CFPB is smart, they will reach out and establish some relationships pretty early on. I mean, California is the world's fifth largest economy. Um, it's a very important state from an economic perspective. And so, you know, any agency that has new powers, new authorities, um, and is broadening its scope of oversight so significantly in one fell swoop is certainly important. And um, you would you would hope that the federal agency and then the regulator of the world's fifth largest economy would be talking and trying to coordinate. I think it could be very difficult uh, if the two agencies took different positions um, on some major issues. And, um, you know, we could see that in the regulatory front. We could also see that in some inconsistent positions taken in lawsuits. Now that they both have substantial assistance authority, for example, or now that they both have abusive authority, both of which are pretty new and developing areas of law, uh, you know, there is some risk of inconsistency in positions that could just make it difficult for uh, companies that operate in the California market and the federal market um, to choose a single safe course of action. We could dig into the details all day, but in the interest of time, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about what's been happening in California related to a different consumer act. In California recently, 
has passed and it's well known. It passed in 2018. The uh, CCPA has gone into effect this year in 2020. The AG's office of California issued the final regulations in July uh, and just recently uh, released more proposed regulations related to operationalizing and opt-out provisions. And now the, the California Privacy Act, uh, otherwise known as CCPA 2.0, is on the ballot um, for just next week, November 3rd. Alyssa, can you explain what's in the uh, California Privacy Rights Act and how it would change the CCPA? Yeah, you bet. Um, so this is, again, as you mentioned, an area, um, a growing area of consumer protection and regulation, um, and California is you know, sort of leading the way on this. And so this new ballot measure that um, Californians will be voting on next week, the California Consumer Privacy Act, would create new consumer rights for companies to operationalize. So just as a refresher, the CCPA in its current form gives consumers the right to know about the personal information that a business collects about them and how it's used and shared. It gives consumers the right to delete personal information collected from them. It gives uh, consumers the right to opt out of the sale of their personal information. And finally, it um, affords consumers a right to non-discrimination for exercising their privacy rights, meaning companies can't charge consumers differently um, if they decide that they want to exercise any of these rights that I just discussed. So CPRA, or um, as you noted, it's being referred to as CCPA 2.0, first and foremost creates a new agency, uh, the California Privacy Protection Agency with a $10 million annual budget. It does change the businesses that have to comply with CCPA. Mainly um, it was, or under the current iteration of CCPA, one of the threshold requirements is that businesses who collect um, information from 50,000 or more uh, California household persons or devices have to comply with the law. And the new law or the proposed ballot measure would change that to um, 100,000 households or persons and would eliminate devices entirely. And then there are these additional consumer rights that businesses are going to have to operationalize. Fortunately, CPRA will not go into effect until 2023, January 2023. So they have a couple of years to figure this out. So they will have to figure out how to ensure that uh, a consumer's personal information is not shared upon request, which is much broader than not sold, right? So companies are going to really have to dig in to um, how their data is collected, used, stored, shared in order to figure out how to operationalize this request. The new law would also provide consumers with an opt-out option for having their sensitive personal information, um, such as precise geolocation data, race, ethnicity, religion, genetic data, sexual orientation, specified health information, consumers will now have the right to opt out of having that information used for advertising or marketing purposes. Additionally, similar to um, what we see in Europe with the general data protection regulation, consumers will now have the ability to correct inaccurate personal information that is collected. 
And also there's new requirements under CPRA for obtaining permission before collecting data from consumers who are younger than 16. So this is a whole new compliance area that businesses are going to have to deal with. Um, Additionally, it's worth noting that right now under CCPA, businesses have 30 days to correct any sort of violation of CCPA that they're notified about. CPRA would eliminate that 30-day right to cure period. Finally, two last areas that are worth noting in the new law, CPRA prevents businesses from retaining personal information then longer than is reasonably necessary. So it's going to require businesses to dig deeper into their retention policies for data. And additionally, um, there will be mandatory cybersecurity audits for businesses performing what's defined as high-risk processing, processing that presents significant risk to an individual's privacy or security. And we, we all know these laws pass and then the regulations flow. And as we've seen with the AG's office just recently issuing additional regulations in July, even though the, the CCPA went into effect earlier this year, this is going to be one of those issues that businesses continue to struggle with. But I want to use that as the, the kind of segue to other privacy law, uh, how it will play out over the next couple of years. And you know, California has led the way, but will, will it continue to be the only state with a real robust privacy law of its own? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I think the answer is, is no. I mean, first, you know, what's interesting about the, the CPRA is that, um, and, and I'll note that it's very likely to pass, right? All of the intel that has been gathered demonstrates that Californians will likely agree that they, they want this, the, the new additional protections under CCPA. But there are a number of consumer advocacy and privacy advocates that are opposed to the CPRA on a couple of key areas, right? The, the main opposition is that the, the CPRA actually creates an exception to the current right to non-discrimination. So the CPRA allows businesses to have loyalty programs where they can charge consumers a discount if the consumers agree to the business collecting certain more granular data about them. And so that's a big issue for these privacy and consumer advocates. And I think you will see some states, and I'll note prior to the pandemic, there were a lot of states that were considering their own privacy legislation. And I think the reason that it didn't get passed last year is because of the pandemic and shifting priorities in the states. But I think you're going to see states take up those efforts again. And I think you can predict that some states, um, particularly Washington state that has made a couple of attempts to pass privacy legislation, they may take up these issues that are not addressed through CPRA and put them into their legislation. So, you know, a continuing right for non-discrimination, not having this exemption for loyalty programs. Um, Another objection to the CPRA is that it continues to not have a private right of action other than for data security breaches. And I think you are going to see some states, again, sort of, you know, other left-leaning states, consumer-friendly states like Washington State, potentially Illinois, um, that do bring in that private right of action to a privacy law. 
So it'll be an interesting landscape for businesses trying to navigate compliance with this, you know, potential variety of consumer privacy laws, some of which may actually end up being a little bit stricter than the CCPA. And one one last thing I'll note is that I think that, you know, there's been some discussion about federal privacy legislation, general federal privacy legislation for some time. There, There are certain statutes that apply to certain industries such as healthcare or financial institutions dealing with privacy for uh, protection for personal information. I think that if we see this continued sort of patchwork of privacy laws among the states, I think that that will drive eventual federal privacy legislation, because I think businesses are going to see that they don't want to have to comply with this patchwork of state laws. And they already know how difficult that is, because on the data breach notification side, all 50 states have a data breach notification law, and there is no federal data breach notification law. So businesses already know the headache that's involved with complying with multiple cybersecurity laws. And I don't think they're going to want to have that again. Well, and I think that's probably, I'm going to use that phrase to to wrap this up. I think that we can expect more regulations to be coming down the pipe, both in California and across the country. And I think that being involved in the the regulation making, trying to get uniformity of, of issues and positions are going to be benefits for companies and businesses frankly, the states. But I think that we we need to be involved and and diligent and know and stay on top of these regulations, the changes that come out, be at the table meeting with the regulators, be at the table with the rulemaking process for all of our clients and so that we can have an effective process for protecting consumers and also allowing businesses to do what they do. Yeah, I think that's right, Jonathan. If the states are the laboratories of government then getting it right in California should mean getting it right for the entire country eventually. Agreed. Well, we have agreement. Uh, Let's leave it there. (laughs) Thank you very much, Sarah, Alyssa. Proud to be your partner. Thank you for letting me moderate this and, and for being such incredible subject matter experts. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.